Hello, this is Craig Gamble, head of school at Brewster Academy, and here we are in Woodland Hills, California, with Mo Fallon, class of two thousand. Uh, sorry, class of nineteen ninety four. He looks like he's from the class of two thousand four. And to set the stage, uh, Woodland Hills is just north of L.A., and uh, we are back in Mo's uh, workshop studio office behind his house. When I was in his house, I saw a, a couple things. On his fridge is a decal. 03894, which is, of course, the zip code of Wolfboro, New Hampshire, because Mo was a day student. His parents, Doug and Mary Fallon, were legendary teachers at Brewster. You can hear Mo's uh, dachshund licking himself in the background right now. And and on the and uh, I noticed also that Mo's uh, Mo's two uh, two children, uh, Mo and his wife Jillian, who graduated in two thousand two. Uh, they have two children, August and Iris. Iris. Yeah. Uh, August is perhaps six. Yep. And Iris is three, as she yep. told me. <laughs> August is a, an intrepid soccer player, and he has a bunch of awards, uh, ribbons, and medals hanging from two Emmys, two Emmy awards. And well, Mo, how did you win those Emmy awards? Um, let's see. The first one was uh, is for cinematography. Uh, nonfiction cinematography, and I think it was 2014. Um, and the second one I just got for uh, nonfiction for producing, uh, and that was this year, 2018. So the first one was for an episode, the first episode of Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, that we shot in Myanmar. Um, that was... Uh, yeah, it was the first episode that we did on CNN. So that show had had prior incarnations as No Reservations on Travel Channel and Cook's Tour on Food Network. Um, but uh, really, like, when we went to CNN is, like, when it really blew open because all these places that, were no lo that weren't possibilities before, all of a sudden we had the infrastructure through CNN to go to these places. We had the backing to go to places that were, like, maybe a little more edgy, you know, places like Libya, the Congo. Uh, Myanmar at that time was pretty mellow. <laughs> we keep getting interrupted. That is okay. This is, um, this is organic stuff. Myanmar was pretty mellow at that time, but that was like our first venture out. And uh, really the first time any, you know, a lot, I, there hadn't, let me put it this way, there hadn't been a lot of Western media in Myanmar for quite some time uh, when we got there. So we had this like very fresh canvas to paint on. Uh, the second one was for producing um, for a show we did in southern West Virginia just recently with uh, Tonios. That was last year, almost a year ago now. Um, and uh, that's probably the episode I'm most proud of. I lived in West Virginia when I was a kid. I always wanted to go back. I spent 15 years mulling around the idea of going back and doing a show. I didn't know what form it would take. And then over the last four years, I kind of kept grinding on whether or not uh, the place could support a show um, for Tony uh, because there, it's, it's a food desert. I mean, there's no there's no restaurants, there's no anything. The place has been just really um, hit very hard uh, by by the economy, um, by the opioid epidemic, by you know um, a lot of varying forces <laughs> that have really hurt the people there. Um, 
And then in the end, I was I just like kind of pinched myself and I was like, well, of course it can. Like these are incredible, like beautiful people, um, really like the heart and soul of like what it means to be American, independent, rugged, um, prideful I- in a good way. Uh, and we went down there and we just made this extraordinary show and Tony like completely understood it, completely bought in from the beginning. We didn't pull any punches. We stayed right in Welsh, in a town that's suffering terribly. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was very, that that to me is probably the high point of my career, the most fulfilling thing. Well, it sounds like there, it would be very easy to to fill your passport with stamps of, of exotic places. The idea of really going going home and being someplace that means something to yeah. you and to bring someone like Anthony Bourdain there to uh, be the vehicle through which you tell the story that you you develop, it seems to be a really powerful way to, to be an artist, right? So, you yeah, know. I, I mean, like, actually, like, maybe the most powerful artistic tool, you know, that I've ever been given, I, w- I mean, he was an, an incredibly powerful voice for um, articulating a wide range of subjects um, all of which it had to do with like exploration of really the other, like other cultures, other people. It was like a f- fearless uh, ambassador for um, for going out into the world in like a very brave and open way. So ev- you've accomplished all of these remarkable things, actually. And I'm sitting in your office with beautiful tapestry, and I think that's a a blowgun up there, maybe, and uh, that's a that's a bow and arrow set from uh, way up in central Guyana, um, about mm, what four hundred miles inland in a the mo- the probably the most remote place I've ever been. But that's how the people we were with. That's how they get their food. Those three different arrows wow. for three different purposes. And I'm and I'm looking at, at ceremonial masks and horns and all kinds of wonderful objects that that certainly must reflect beautifully on your experiences and give you points to points of memory. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm curious about you know the, the memories you have of 03894 and and maybe how Brewster uh, and Wolfboro more broadly put you on this path because it doesn't seem like a coincidence that that you had a kind of a fairly worldly experience in a fairly rural place. Yeah, I mean, my ex- also my experience at Brewster is kind of interesting because my parents worked there. And so I moved to Brewster when I was eight years old. So I left when I was 18. So um, I guess that's 10 years, right? Well, I mean, that's not hard math. It is 10 years uh, that I was exposed to Brewster and was at Brewster. And so I think What's interesting there is like you're living in a town like Wolfboro, which is definitely a certain demographic. Um, not that there's anything against Wolfboro; it's like one of the most extraordinary places on earth. But um, you know, it's a certain a certain cross section that you get there. Baked into the Brewster experience was this diversity that I never would have been exposed to otherwise. So I remember like in third grade being exposed to people who had come from Southern California, like the skaters, which definitely started me on that that route and looking at the world through that lens, um, which is, which is good, you know, like that's, that's an adventurous lens. And then as it progressed, he's like, we knew just all these people, people from Brooklyn, you know, people from Jamaica, people from Korea, people from the Eastern Bloc, 
um, people from had from all over the world that got to interact with her. I got to interact with over time. I remember a Japanese student when we were young, teaching us martial arts out on the field. I mean, those experiences it was like from the very beginning, um, because of the culture of the school and being able to experience that. It was like, well, well, here you go. Like, I don't need to be fearful of this. Like, this is awesome. You know. Um, I want to go there. <laughs> so that that was definitely a big part of of I think my early desire to want to go out into the world. And then that I think was also kind of compounded with um the flexibility of like the education at Brewster where I could look at, you know, I mean obviously like covering all my, you know, core requirements and, you know, broad-based learning, but could really focus on art and spend a lot of time in the art center and um, and really develop that aspect. Um, so that when I eventually applied to college at Emerson, it was my art portfolio that got me in. I mean, like I wasn't like the most awesome student, but it was the portfolio that got me in. It was a portfolio I developed over the four years that I was there. Without that, I I would not have gotten into film school. Um, so, and how did you? I'd love to hear about how you actually developed, literally, a stomach for the intrepid. That because yeah. you've been some places. Yeah. You were just before while we were having breakfast talking about your trip to Georgia, and we're not talking about Georgia as in yeah. Georgia in the United States. We're talking about the country of Georgia, yeah. and and how overnight the the border of Georgia had uh, gotten. Uh, and between Georgia and Russia had gotten a mile closer to you. Yeah, well, it d I mean, that happened before we got there, but basically, yeah, the story you're referring to there is that, uh, you know, Putin basically moved the border of Russia forward a mile overnight. So these people woke up in a town that had been divided by razor wire overnight. And um, so, you know, let's try to stay away from geopolitics so much, but <laughs> we're no big fan of Putin and, uh, you know, on the show. <laughs> let's just say it that way. But the, but the, the question of being a storyteller and a truth teller, yeah. it seems to be a, th a thread that having, having seen some parts unknown, having, having, uh, uh smiled my, my way through the, the Anthony Bourdain and, uh, Barack Obama episode yeah, in Vietnam, yeah. that must've been a, Pretty special one because it was all about breaking down these perceptual barriers and showing humanity in ways that are free from judgment and free from stereotype. And uh, did you feel like that was kind of uh, part of the fun for you? I, I mean, that's, that was everything. It's the entire, uh, not only part of the fun, but like maybe the most, um, maybe the most important and um, and. Uh, formative experience in my life and in terms of who I am today. I was fundamentally different from who I was 10 years ago. Uh, and that all came from, you know, learning from Tony how to step out into the world um, without fear. I, I kind of de facto of like come back to this saying, which sounds kind of cheesy, but it's like open heart and open mind um, and really applying that to, to travel and being willing to step out. So like when we went to Southern West Virginia, you know, I mean, Listen, I live in Southern California outside of Los Angeles. It's, it's, it's not hard to guess where my politics are. But going to West Virginia is very much an attempt to step into someone else's paradigm. You know, a place that's been labeled as Trump country. I'll debate whether or not that that's, that's true. Um, and I'm not here to disparage anyone's political beliefs at all. But 
we went there um, with a very liberal sensibility saying like, we're, we're not going to cast any judgments. We're going to go, we're going to sit down with people. We're going to hear about them, their life, their story, um, and not try to inform them as to who they are. And I think that that's been, you know, one of the major failings in, in, you know, media in general, but in television shows, I mean, we, you know, television is and by default an authoritative medium, right? So mm-hmm. people sit in a room like this one and they say, well, here's the story and we're going to hit these points. And it's like, man, you can't sit 6,000 miles away from someone and guess what their story is. You know, go out and ask. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tony taught me to do. And that's what the show taught me to do. It's like, be fearless, have an open heart, have an open mind. Go out and let the story tell you what it is. Let the people tell you who they are and 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 present that to the world. And uh, that was, to me, what was so special about so that's that's really interesting because as a producer and as a director, your your task then is just to have a wide lens and yeah. to come back and figure out what the story is as opposed to presupposing what the story you're trying to tell is. And what was the role between you know you and Anthony? Were, was there a lot of uh, kind of dynamism about what the narrative was becoming, or did you feel like you had you had the ultimate say when it came down to the to actually figuring out what to en- leave on the cutting room floor and what to actually present to the viewer? Right. Tony had the ultimate say in everything. Oh, he did? Show. Okay. So just to, to be clear from the beginning. And, and that was, by the way, it was fantastic. So people remember him as a celebrity chef. I don't remember him as a celebrity chef. I remember him as one of the best television producers I have ever worked with. Mm-hmm. He was an absolutely brilliant storyteller. Um, the, uh, the dynamic was, yes, very reactive and very flexible. You know, we would, it, most of the time, Tony would pitch an idea. We're going to do, you know, Georgia, you brought up as an example, or the DRC or, you know, Tokyo. We're going to look at this aspect of Tokyo. In the case of the Tokyo show, I'm very proud of this. It was was all about, like, the underbelly of Tokyo, the dark places, the places that you will never get access to. Like, you know, tentacle porn and bondage. Um, He would pitch those ideas. We would then do the research, present him with what we were finding, uh, and, and we would start to manipulate mm-hmm. the story from there. Once we got in the field, though, it was like everyone just, you know, open eyes, open ears. Where is the story leading us? What changes do we need to make? How are we going to adapt to that? And then once we were out of the field and in post-production, again, it was working with Tony on structuring the writing, structuring the story. How do we get from point to point? What are the things we want to cover? What are the things that we need to cut out? What are the things that we absolutely need to have in the show? It was all very reactive. So I'd write these, you know, basically 30-page treatments before we would go out in the show and then just watch it all completely (laughs) get thrown away (laughs) as we actually figured out what it was about. But that was the whole show. I mean, without that, it would have been a stiff and, um, you know, and preachy tour of the world. And we've all seen that. And that's why it, it what I've seen of Parts Unknown feel real and organic and fresh. And, and there are moments of serendipity where, where you can see Anthony learning as he goes. His gaze changes of yes. to one of a kind of inquisitiveness of curiosity when he's speaking to people on the street or people who've been cooking for him or whatever. And, and, and it seems to me that's a really healthy construct for us to think about as, as we're talking uh, in our little slice of the world we call Wolfboro at a little school called Brewster as we are 
very deliberately sending kids out into the world more purposefully. We are building out a global in initiatives uh, program. We aspire to have three global sites open by 2020 where kids can go for full semesters. We have a suite of off-campus offerings that we are putting together that will be running in February and March during the summer. We will, uh, but what we have to think about though very, very deeply is how to prepare kids to have an open lens, to have an open heart, to have uh, a, a freedom of judgment and a willingness to actually engage with humility and with care and with compassion with anyone they meet. And do you have any advice for those for kids as they're going out into the world? Uh, well, I mean uh, that like be, you know you don't need to be afraid. I, and first of all, like go out into the world, have you know have an open heart and, and approach people with a smile and with. You know, I, I we, if someone asked me one time, like, what's what's like the most valuable piece of equipment you have when you go in the field? Like, what can't you do without? And to me, like, the answer was really clear. It's like a smile and an ability to mm -hmm. be self-deprecating, an ability to laugh. I've gone into villages in China where, like, you walk in and people are stiff as boards. They are terrified of you, and you have to walk in with a camera and. and absorb some part of their life and within 15 minutes if you just open yourself up if you eat their food if you sit down at their table if you smile if you do like willing to you know not be perfect and not be an expert i think that that melts all those things away so that's what i would say to anyone who's going out in the world especially you know students you don't need to be afraid you will find that 99.9 uh percent of the world will embrace you i can count on one hand, the number of threatening experiences that I've had after, I forget what I calculated, but it was like nearly a thousand days of traveling, you know, to 60 countries on seven continents. I can count on one hand the number of times I was threatened. And then my experience of places like Gaza, my memory in Gaza, right? You know, it's everyone talks about these hyperbolic terms and this is like very dangerous place. And no doubt things happen there. Be careful when you are there. But the one experience I had was like, you know, um, this woman on the beach, like basically force feeding me a sandwich because I had been filming her children playing in the waves. And uh, and just it was the idea that I wouldn't be taken care of was just abhorrent to her. Mm -hmm. It's like, you must sit down. You have to eat a sandwich. You have to hang out with us. That to me is the world. That's what I've seen. And uh, and I assure people that that's what's out there for them, as long as you approach it that way. Wow, that I think that is actually probably a very good place to end, Mo Fallon. And let me say that I hope this is not our last conversation because sure. Jillian is traveling; she's in New York doing doing interesting work right now. And you're going to come back to Wolfboro with your lovely children and your spouse, and we hope that you come by and see us and yeah, share your stories with kids more directly because yeah. uh, your perspectives uh, have the ability to actually shape the future of our school and a school that, that seems to have mattered to you and certainly matters deeply to me. And uh, so I thank you for being on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. <laughs>